Take my heart with you when you go, otherwise I'll be stuck in this podcast studio all day. Welcome to Westworld, the Recapables, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm your host, David Shoemaker. Today we're talking Season 2, Episode 8, Kiksuya. That's Remember in Lakota, for everybody who's wondering. We're doing this before airing, without the benefit of subtitles, a Reddit group think, or a safety net. In this episode, we get a deep dive into Kichita's backstory, as well as the Man in Black and Maeve on their respective deathbeds. I am joined for my laboratory debriefing this week by Ringer editor-writer Andrew Gredadaro. Andrew, how you doing? Hey, what's up? And as always, the sixth decommissioned host to the left. No, no, not that. The, the, no, the one, the third row. Yep, that's him. It's Danny Heifetz. How you doing, Danny? I feel like I've loved you for so many lifetimes. I appreciate that. Um, wow. What an episode. I mean, not like anything we've seen before. And we'll talk about all the ways it's different. And everything it means for the show and for our viewing experience. But let's jump right in. Let's read some meaning into this empty, empty world. Andrew, let's start it right off. What's your tweet length review of this episode? It's Kids See Ghost Nation. Kid becomes obsessed with Ghost Nation. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I like it a lot. Ghost Nation is the best. Oh my god! Ghost Nation really is the best, and, and a lot. I had it was so funny. I was watching it and thinking about Star Wars. I know that's a really weird parallel to draw, <laughs> but Ghost Nation is sort of like the Imperial Guard or like the Boba Fett of this world, where you you see them and you're just like, why can't we have that those dudes in a show? <laughs> yes, like let's just see those awesome folks the whole time. Um, and you kind of think you're never going to get them, or that they'll be just sort of some cog in in the eventual Ford monologue that explains everything um but we got a lot we got a lot and and a lot of theories were confirmed um a lot of you know speculation uh uh was a lot of uh, like you know hanging questions were were answered but i you know i feel like I, I it was a very maybe it's just because it was so different from everything that's come before it was a weirdly fulfilling episode of 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 Westworld what, what do you think Danny I thought it was awesome I love the bottle episode aspect of it. They had never, obviously this is like the most, I don't want to say coherent, but they came out of my mouth. So coherent (laughs) storytelling that the show has done. I like that they stuck with it. I did think it started to drag. I think it was like 35 solid minutes of a Kichita that, which I've been saying a Kichital season. I apologize. It's okay. Uh, But overall, I loved it. I loved the, I thought it was ambitious. And I thought that they really went beyond just trying to like fill in gaps and they just made it like, they did something really impressive, which is they made me care about these characters I'd never met before. And like, I felt sad with them. I cried with them. Yeah. I mean, there, there's been some complaints this season that we don't quite know who to care for, or even if we do, we don't care about them sufficiently. And especially coming off last week's episode, Andrew, I don't know where you stood on this, but you mentioned it on, on Tuesday that there was a lot of sort of inner office in the ringer yeah. office. There was a lot of, there was a lot of dissent over the, the timeline. Slack was booming. Slack was booming about the, about the, the weird timeline jumps last week. And this was, I mean, obviously not a deliberate response to that, but it was, but like formally, you couldn't have gone in a more different direction. Yeah. And for West, Westworld, for me, I'm, I'm kind of like, I know what I'm paying for. Yeah. Like, me too. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm here for the, for the confusing timelines and for stuff maybe not making sense and just seeing robots kill humans. Um, but this did seem to be an episode for the people who were like, give me some emotional stakes and, I think it worked. 
Yeah, they've uh, they, they've definitely tried to sort of like do something different than they did the previous episode every week. It seems like. I mean, we 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 say that about the the uh, you know the cold opens the, or the various different ways that each episode is opened. But yeah, I, I was really impressed with what they did. It felt good. It felt like a good time to sort of take a breath and learn a lot about a character or about a you know a storyline that we've learned nothing about so far. Speaking of storylines, we've you know already been talking about what this episode's about, but now. Let me tell you everything that happened (laughs) in Season 2, Episode 8. We begin with William, the man in black, or in this case, the man in serious need of medical attention, who's escaped the Delos soldier somehow and is crawling, somehow, to the creek where he's found by a Kichita who's happy to see him alive. I remember you, he says, and he takes him back to his camp, where he says old Willie doesn't deserve to die. Maeve's daughter is there in the camp, and she's scared, not of the scary ghost nationers, but of the man in black, of course. Akichita says, don't worry about him, because you and I, we can both remember everything, right? Now let me tell you my story. Clear his throat. Way back when, Akichita was once a simple man in a peaceful community, in love with a woman named Koana, who was great in Wind River, by the way. And then came the day that he discovered the Dolores Wyatt mass murder-suicide that Arnold orchestrated. He finds Arnold's body and Arnold's maze toy, and a religion is born. He's obsessed with the maze, and he's drawing it everywhere, and everybody thinks he's crazy. But then Delos yanks him out of the park to rewire him into a violent, metaphorical fire breather. With no masters and no fear, and he and his crew ravage folks for years until one day he finds Logan! Naked and bound and losing his mind in the desert. This is an illusion, Logan says. Where's the door? This is the wrong world. And Akichita is like, this guy's making sense. (laughs) There's there's got to be a way out out of here. Where's where's, where's the door? Where's, Where's the door? He goes back to his old village where he realizes he's been replaced and everybody has forgotten him, even Kiwana. He embarks upon a pilgrimage and eventually finds the weird hole William was digging in episode 2, which is maybe the valley beyond, but Akichita thinks it's Logan's door. He goes back for Kiwana and kidnaps her, but that's cool because she remembers him. And he tells her that they need to get out of this weird world and takes her to see the door, but the hole has been filled in. He's still determined to get out, though, and he and Kiwana decide to escape somehow, but here come the lab techs who take her away and decommission her. Akechita tries again to find her in the village, but she's been replaced and she's not the only one. So he roams Westworld and searches for the truth, and one day when he was almost dead, Maeve's daughter saved him. He realizes the only place he hasn't looked for Kiwana is in the afterlife. So he lets himself get killed and he winds up in a lab where they realize he hasn't been in for a checkup in way too long, nine years to be exact. You're telling me that this host hasn't been updated in almost a decade? We only update them when they die. They push install update and they leave him there, but they forgot to force quit Chrome or something because he's still on and he looks around the Mesa and he finds the cold storage unit and all the old hosts and damn, she's there, but she's definitely not there. But there's an upside. He brings the chief son's braid back as proof of what he's found and soon everybody wants to join Ghost Nation and now everybody's getting religion and drawing the maze. But in this world, as he says, it's easy to misunderstand intentions. So it turns out when Maeve thought Akechita was trying to kill them back in the day, he was really trying to protect them the whole time and, oh, share the truth with them. Then one day, Akechita found Ford, who was chilling like a guy working on dioramas at the Natural History Museum and who has become, somehow, aware that Akechita is doing whatever he's doing. Akechita tells Ford about his theories and Ford says, I built you to be curious, to take a look at the empty world and read meeting into it, so I guess this is on me. And then he tells him that Dolores, the Deathbringer, as he calls her, will kill him just like she killed Arnold, and when she does that, it's time to take his people to a new world. When the Deathbringer returns for me, you will know to gather your people and lead them to a new world. Back to the present, where Emily rides up and is like, I know you hate my dad, but I hate him more, and Akisha says, cool, he's all yours. And then he tells Maeve's daughter that he'll always keep her safe, 
But he's sorry that he couldn't help you. Wait, who's you? Oh, damn, he's been talking to Maeve this whole time. Back in the lab, Maeve started off the episode lying bloody on a table, seemingly almost dead, and Sizemore tries to get the tech to save her just because she can control the other hosts with her fucking mind. Just check her data stream. But the tech doesn't save her. He reports her to Charlotte. Sizemore and Maeve share a tearful moment, and then Lee gets kicked out. When, when Charlotte shows up, the tech explains her powers, and Charlotte is like, she's doing it right now. And yet Maeve and Akechita have been DMing on the dark web this whole time. All right. Like we said, pretty straightforward story. <laughs> but there was a lot that happened there. The big idea this week, unsurprisingly, is memory. It's what the name of the episode references. Um, and it's, you know, the show is a lot about memory, right? I mean, the show is a lot about the things that we've been through, whether or not we remember them happening. I guess what's really key about, you know, Akich is that he, as he says repeatedly, he does remember everything. He remembers everything happening. So, you know, what, what do we take from Akechita, Akechita, sorry, and, and his ability to, quote, remember all the things he's seen, all the lives he's lived? Um, and uh, why, why, is he, why is he different than everybody else, Andrew? Well, I, I started to wonder towards the end of this episode, is he, like, nearly on the same level as Maeve, where he's reached an even further level of consciousness, where, I don't know, he has, he has the power to kind of bring consciousness out of the rest of the hosts. Yeah, I mean, it certainly seems like he's got... Uh, uh, this is listed in my stupid questions. Hi, Fitz, I want to get your answer to this. Is The the maze was clearly the metaphor for the awakening, right? I don't, I don't know. It's unclear exactly how awake all the rest of Ghost Nation is, but it's, I guess, fair to assume pretty awake. Was the maze the toy that he found in the beginning? Is that like an override where you see that and immediately you know, or is that just sort of a metaphor for the awakenings that that followed it? So I've been thinking about this a lot, and I've been worried that they were going to mess this up somehow because the question is, what they talk so much about this new voice they're hearing. What is that voice? And we know that they have the bicameral mind, and so I think the question is, are they hearing Arnold, or do they realize that it's themselves? Mm-hmm. I Part of me worries that Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan want us to assume that the moment that happened at the end of season one where Dolores realizes that she's been talking to herself this whole time. Yeah. Part of me worries that they assume that we know that that's been happening in their heads, which I really hope is not the case because I think that would be, that was my favorite moment of this entire series so far. And I would be very upset if we've been robbed of seeing them actually all get that own moment for themselves. So I'm hoping that it's more that all of these hosts are kind of somewhere in the middle, but part of me, I, I, I don't know. I'm kind of upset about that, to be honest. He's, I mean, it's a he, he's clearly above everybody else. Now, and the fact that he's able to communicate with Maeve, even if he doesn't have her power of mind control or whatever, he's in the mesh network because he's he knows that he can talk to her, even if he's talking yeah. through her daughter, more or less. I guess at the end, he's talking telepathically or he's mesh networking with her, right? I want to talk about not just his memories— uh, but our memories. What are the what, what's Andrew? What's like? What did you? What were you most excited to figure out this episode? Both in terms of like what we found out about Akichita, but also like, is are there parts of of the story that you took to be true that we now know are are, are different than we than we assume them? Well, just on a really basic level, I was happy to see naked Logan. <laughs> I was happy to see where yes. he ended up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just sitting by a tree, babbling. Sort of a dangling plot thread there. Yeah, yeah, that was nice. It was it was good to see that wrapped up, sort of. But I think. The for me the most important part was um, when Akichita sees Ford 
with the bear doing God knows what. It's just scalping, <laughs> scalping hosts. Um, because it kind of seemed to me that Ford had been planning his whole thing for a pretty extended amount of time, maybe longer than we had even assumed. Um, and that he had been watching Akichita this whole time. And I was starting to think that maybe Akichita is the one who changed Ford's mind about the hosts. Yeah, I mean, we can jump right into that because it's worth discussing. You know, I made some jokes about Ford last episode. You know, it was a little bit of a, a one-note performance a for me. For sure. This was certainly a better use. And and it was and he was great. I mean, there was there was so much going on on his face. You know, it that it was real it was real you know, multi-dimensional acting. It did feel like one that he was deeply surprised by what he learned, even though he was like holding himself together in this very, you know, got on the street sort of way, but he was he seemed very surprised. And then it did sort of feel like like something changed there. I don't think that was the first time he'd thought about Dolores killing him, but that was the first time that he really realized that Akichita was gonna play a role in whatever happened next, right? Yeah, I thought that that scene was absolutely magical because first of all, it it just feels like a myth. Like you're on a hunt and you just meet God in the woods. <laughs> like like there's just something beautiful about the way that starts, and there's no intro to it whatsoever. But I also thought it was awesome because, like you said, Ford was surprised, and it goes back to the pilot, which we've talked about how they originally had plans for the importance of the Ghost Nation hosts and their religion to be more important season one and they had to do it, change it for writing reasons because of the actor who unfortunately passed away who played Kissy in the first episode sure. and they actually mirrored that so in that pilot episode William's dragging him at the top of the mountains and we get the reversal of that in this episode I think very purposefully yeah. where Kichita is dragging William it's very much a reversal of mm-hmm. that on purpose and again in that moment in the pilot William says there's a lot of wisdom in ancient cultures. And I think that in many ways that Ford moment was the culmination of Mm -hmm. that prophecy because there's so much wisdom in ancient cultures. They changed God's mind really is what that scene is, is that God's creation, if you'll go that far, is actually he evolved his own thinking on it. Yeah. The mythology here is a little bit of a snake eating its tail. And I and I think yes. that's that's sort of the the point, right? But like there was the maze. In the beginning was the maze, and then uh, Arnold, uh, you know, commits uh, or has more or less commits suicide, leaves the maze behind. Akichita finds the maze, and then William, young William, basically mentally breaks Logan, drives him crazy, sends him out. He ends up by that tree. I mean, it is a super unclear plot point that they've always just been like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to like send you out on a horse through the desert and then yeah. your dad's going to give the company right, no, no, to me. Like, I've never, th- just to get through this, he, he, w- William breaks Logan. Uh, Logan's insane ramblings, coupled with the maze toy that he found, become the mantra, the religion of what will be, I mean, Ghost Nation, basically. Then I guess we're to take it that like w- the man in black at some point finds the maze that he's been drawing outside of Maeve's place or whatever else, and then adopts that mythology as his own. Yeah. So he basically started the mythology by driving Logan insane. He didn't have anything to do with the maze toy as far as we know, but he he's, he's one of the inception points for Akichita's religion, and then he adopts that religion after it's like evolved into its fully its full form, right? I didn't put that together. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah. All right, let's talk a little bit about the man in black, Andrew. Uh, when when at the, we we open the show with him, and we end with it too. Bullet ridden. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
I'm not. We're not, I'm not going to waste too much time this week talking about whether he's a host or a, or a human <laughs> because I don't think it particularly matters at this point. And I feel like from my from my you know occasional perusals online that it's just sort of like people are exhausted about this question already. But uh, but he did survive quite a lot, and he got there. And Akichita says, you know, he's happy to see him alive uh, because uh, he doesn't deserve to die. It's notable that the first thing he says to him is, "I remember you," uh, because. Akicha several episodes ago said you're you only live as long as the last person to remember you and uh, but but in general Andrew what do we take from their interaction um what do we I mean do, do you think it's just I remember you from that time that you know I saw you at Maeve's house or, or is there is there more there I you know I this is the one question I have lingering from this episode I feel like this episode cleared so much up in my mind but I don't really understand how William plays into it and where this where this puts William on a path going forward you know he he says if this is he says to Emily if this is your father then you know his sickness um mm-hmm. and the things he's done to spread it I I took that to mean um, possibly reference to Delos's project to um, immortality and um, keeping keeping humans alive forever. Um, I don't know if that's if that's what's going on. If if Akichit is aware that that this is Delos's uh, end game, yeah. I th- I honestly that's the one thing where I'm still scratching my head. I do ahead. have an idea of where William's plot goes, and sorry, David. It only makes sense if he's a host. So we're going to talk about it for a second. (laughs) But basically, which we've talked about at length, but basically at some point in the last year, maybe William died, perhaps committed suicide and has been, has his mind put onto a host body and he doesn't know it. So if that's true and you rethink about this episode, we know already that William really regrets participating in this project about human immortality. He said, he told Lawrence, I want to burn this whole thing down. He tells James Delos, I think this whole thing was a mistake. We know he wants to like change this and he wishes he was never part of it. So if you consider what Akichita said, which is death is a passage from this brutal world and you don't deserve an exit, mm-hmm. which is, bitch, you don't get to die. Sucks to suck. And then you think about what can Emily do to actually cause him more harm? Because she says, what I'm going to do is more painful. Well, He's already been shot like 300 times. I don't think it's going to be physical pain, right? It's going to be some emotional pain. There's a lot of things you could talk about there, but she already earlier in the season said that, you know what, like mom's death wasn't your fault. Like there's not much left. The real biggest thing left that could hurt him is that this thing he's been trying to stop so passionately, which is stopping humans from achieving this immortality. And she's like, lol, you are already dead. And like you have... Remember, he talks about appealing the verdict, and she's right. like, you lost the appeal. You are right now sentenced to life after death. Yeah. That is like the last thing he can really feel pain about is realizing that's, is it, that's expected. I mean, that's assuming a lot about what Akichita knows. Right. That's true. What do you think he meant when he said to Emily, I want him to hurt? Is that just a general? Okay. Yeah. This I mean, sucks. This uh, one of the things that we that we see both in this com- in this interaction between Akichita and the Man in Black, and then Emily, and then also the Ford the Ford interaction is that there's a little bit of a authorial cop out here where like Akichita can only speak in these like I don't know vague adages or whatever instead of actually I mean if he speaks when he speaks in English he's speaking in English as a Native American character who has learned English as part of his character and not in the I'm a fully awoken host who can speak in all languages. 
And so the the implicit like un- lack of clarity in everything that he says is a crutch at this point, or it's a you know it's a it's not not in a bad way. It's a it's a it's a tease. We right. don't know exactly what he means. But yeah, uh, I think that I think I mean you can read it on a very surface level, which is that like he's seen all of the cruelty that the man in black has inflicted upon Westworld over the past few years, and he knows that on some level he is a. If, I mean, God might not be the right word, but he knows that he, you know, walks between, he's, he's a dream walker or whatever. He goes back and forth between the the world outside and this world. So it's it makes sense that Akitsu would see him as like the devil figure, right? He's he's one of these privileged few who can go back and forth, but all he does is want to be terrible. Um, so there is a very like surface, I think that's a pretty surface reading of it. But then it, it could be that he knows fully that he is in charge of the show, human or not, and that, you know, he's responsible for this hell that they're living in. And so he wants him to, to be unhappy. And he, you know, and, and like, I mean, death being a release is, that's the way out, you know, it's, that's, that's what's been proven so far. So, uh, you know, I, I think there's a couple of ways to look at it. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. I think if, if you want to go galaxy brain, you can, but you don't have to. <laughs> um, I think it's also interesting that, that William still, this whole season doesn't seem to, hasn't seemed to progress at all. Yeah. He's still like, ever since he met uh, little Ford and Ford told him, find the door. He's been, he hasn't really been open to any, anything else. Well, the weird thing is that we saw Ford last week and Ford doesn't seem to be particularly interested in him either. Right. Right. I mean, it's not like Ford or the, you know, Ford's whatever leftover brain is there like actively in real time plotting out this course for him. Right. I mean, even though and, and and William, the man in black, believes that to be true, but our experience with Ford doesn't doesn't lead, I mean, doesn't prove that doesn't bear that out. So I mean, and it is it, it it's sort of like I mean, I don't know if it's just like Ford told him to find the door just to mess with him because, he knew it would drive him insane, just like he drove Logan insane all those years before. Um, or if there is like a you know, if there is literally a game that he is that he's going through the motions on, um, it's kind of hard for him to grow when he's working under the assumption that everything is yeah is right. pre-programmed. And and that's probably what this whole thing comes down to is what Ford told Bernard last week's episode was which is Bernard's like is that your plan like strike the match and he's like I keep telling you Bernard like it's not my story anymore it's yours you decide yeah. how this ends and I think William's the last person who's going to realize that. Um before we move ahead one last question about memory. We've speculated about it before but it's clear now that Maeve's memories about Ghost Nation were wrong. Uh, intentions can be misinterpreted or whatever Akicha said, but it, you know we 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 were they gave us a lot of hints about this that all of her nightmare memories about Ghost Nation attacking her were actually memories about the Man in Black, coupled with Akicha just like do, <laughs> Akicha doing like a really crappy job of trying to be their friend. He's just like yeah, don't sneak around, don't sneak around <laughs> and face paint and peek like in windows and and all and also like paint a maze on rocks in blood. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> that, that reminded me of. When I was in middle school and I learned to do like the graffiti S with like the three lines wow. and I like learned how to do it. And I just drew that in like every single notebook in the quarter of everything I had in middle school. Yeah. And then you were probably like, they put you in like a padded room for a little while. Um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't have many friends. Uh, nah, that surprises me. Um, no, but so my question and Danny, you can answer this. Is there anything else from this episode, any other m- memories at, that we have? Uh, that we should suspect now as being false. Any memory? Any memories from the show that are things that we that we assume to be true? Is there? Is, was anything else like cast into question 
because of this sort of revision of what we know. As you said earlier, I don't think it's that memories are different, but rather it's intentions. Mm -hmm. And that I don't think any actions should be looked differently, but we should reinterpret the context of those actions. I think that's what this whole show is about. I think if we rewatch this season, at the end of the season, we'll really have a deep, deep change in kind of how we feel about certain people especially about Ford right now. I think that that's really the way, main way I'd come at it. Yeah, so I, that felt like one of those loaded lines. All right, let's move on to the big questions this week. We've touched on a lot of this stuff, um, but that's sort of the beauty of talking about a bottle episode <laughs> um, <laughs> and that you can actually just kind of like linger on, on big ideas and not just jump from timeline to timeline. But let's just start with that question. This is the closest thing probably we'll ever see in Westworld to a, to a bottle episode. And, and you know... Uh, they're, uh, bottle episodes are, in the genre of prestige TV, um, a sort of very specific art form, right? They're the sort of they're the they're the award bait because you can you don't need to know a ton going in and with all the backstory they they stand on their own they tell a concise story. Um, formally, the fact that they decided to do it this way and not just sprinkle this info in throughout the season. Um, Andrew, why do you think they made the call and what do you think we, we gained from this, this, uh, this framework? Um, storytelling wise, I think, uh, it was a pretty, it was a pretty slick move. Um, they've been, they've been dropping in Ghost Nation since season one and you've been, you've been kind of forced to be like, what, what's going on? Like, where's Stubbs? Where, like, what are these people doing? Why aren't they listening to Maeve? All these things. And it honestly you could have assumed that they might never even explain it so i think it was a huge payoff and kind of like a gift to the audience to be like here it is all at once um enjoy and you know the second that they cast uh zon mclaren who mm -hmm. plays akichita who is just like an incredible actor yeah um if you've seen fargo he's amazing in fargo and actually lakota speaking lakota right and uh once they cast him, it was like, okay, like you know that he's gonna he's gonna play a role at some point. So for me, I was I've just been waiting all of season two for this moment, and I'm I'm glad that we got it in this huge chunk. Yeah, Zon McLernan is um, no pun intended, like uh, basically a ringer, right? At this point, I mean, he's <laughs> yeah. like he's he God is he is the best possible guy for this for this for this role and when he popped up the first time it was just like oh all right now listen if they had gone through with the original plan who knows what the original plan was it's probably changed 10 times even without the fact that that the actor that played kissy died but if kissy was the act that if that character was going to end up having this sort of significant role you know it, it might have been every bit as good but like when they when they had to sort of do the rewrites this was the best possible uh the best possible casting choice the best possible outcome for it um I, I loved the episode. I mean, the way that it was told in one piece, but it did, it, it was deliberate. It was very different, right, Danny? I mean, it was like, is there, do you think that this is like, should we take it as an aside? Like this doesn't actually affect the forward motion of the plot. And this is just, and this is information that we should just kind of like keep in our back pocket because it'll matter somewhere down the line. I think the structure of the episode and them choosing to do this, give us all this information at once. So relatively late in the series instead of just, you know, brick by brick with all the other mm -hmm. episodes, is part of the message of the episode, which the message of the episode is, in in some ways, rethink your memories for, you know, intention, yeah. you know, as we just said. And I think that it would have 
been a lot lesser if they had tried to build that over time because we've talked before about how they try, you know, and there's very real colonialism vibes about um, building up a stereotype, so to speak. And I think there was a lot of power in that scene where he washes off his paint, the Mm -hmm. white paint from his skin and that he's not going to be this like savage killer and he's just going to be him and he's just going to love his wife. And I think that really is the message of the episode and the structuring it this way is the best way to actually hammer that home. The colonialism concept is is interesting, and they didn't beat us over the head with it as they as you know we might have assumed that they would. But it is it is intriguing one because it reframes it recasts the entire story that we've seen this far. Um, I mean, the, the the what we've learned about Akich in this backstory, but it's not just that um, you know the way that that he was treated. They they kind of you know rewrote him to be a savage, as they say in the show. Um, but also the story that we've been be, that they've been telling us from the beginning is a awake a story about awakening or coming of age centered around Dolores and Maeve more or less when Akicha has been here mostly woke yeah. this whole time. Yeah, we talked about how the showrunners took a lot of shit in season one for all the gratuitous nudity and and sex that they really have really seriously toned down this season, mm-hmm. and they also could have totally tripped up face planted on a lot of the colonialism and slavery vibes that they've gotten and obviously they still have a lot of work to do but I thought that that literally because this image of him as just this brutal savage dude is a very whitewashed image of Native Americans and him literally washing that off I thought was I I appreciated that yeah Um, he does look cool in the paint though Um, (laughs) All right, Andrew second big question what do you think Hitch's role is going to be for the rest of the story I mean what we've this episode was as there were a lot of there's a lot of really cool stuff about it, and it's always cool, like literally seeing a second point of view for some of the stuff we've seen before. In some ways, he's sort of like the Forrest Gump of Westworld at this point, where he just like <laughs> wanders into every major moment five minutes after it happens. Travels so much, I know, and he's just like it happens to be in the right place at the right time. But what do you think? What do you think his role is for the rest of the story? Do you think that he's now is he now main cast? Like, are we going to be seeing him week in and week out now that we've we've you know we've had this episode? This is this is maybe wishful thinking, but I I do think he's gonna be an important player for the rest of the season, if not series. Um, you know, Ford tells him gather your people and find a new world. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I thought that's what Dolores has been was yes. supposed to be doing. And so it kind of like he now is Dolores, whereas Dolores is Deathbringer, who's just gonna murder everyone. Yeah, is are we to? I mean, this is again stupid question territory. Are we to assume that Maeve's daughter? First of all, quick aside about Maeve's daughter. When Emily was cast on the show, they called her Grace. They lied to us so that we wouldn't immediately know who it was. That's fine. On IMDb, not the show, and in the announcements and everything else. Yeah, yeah, not 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 in the show. Um, but on IMDb, she has a name. Even when even before we learned her name, she had a name. Maeve's daughter is on IMDb as Maeve's daughter. <laughs> that is her official character name. That's tough. As a as a prodigious uh, Westworld conspiracy theorist, that's got to set off some alarm bells, Danny. That like we're, when we find out her name, it's going to turn out that her name is Doctor Robert Ford, you know, uh, or something like where it's going to be meaningful. Jonathan Nolan wrote Memento, and it reminds me of Sammy Jenkins. Go on. Well, I mean, I don't want to spoil the movie, but basically, Memento came out like thirty five years ago. Yeah, it's okay. right, I do well, it, Danny. Whatever. Basically, there's a dude whose name is. A name, and then at the end of the movie, you're like, oh, that per- that story wasn't about that person or 
that name or that wasn't about that person at all. It actually was just about himself. And it was completely different. And it's, I'm not saying that that's what's going on here, but that's just the first thing that reminds me. It's just such a bizarre... Yeah. I agree. Okay, so my real question, though, I'm sorry, that was a misdirect, but my, my real question uh, is this. Uh, Akichta is working under the assumption that Maeve's daughter is awake. Um, although he's also speaking to Maeve through Maeve's daughter. Are we supposed to assume that Maeve's daughter... Is, is Maeve's daughter awake? Like is she is 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 she self aware? Uh, Andrew, what's your what's your guess on this? It's really hard to tell. She doesn't talk. Yeah, she hasn't said a word. <laughs> I I think that there is a spectrum in terms of like you know they get these memories first, and I think that she can remember. She's starting to remember things. Like many of the hosts, they're starting to remember things. Yeah, it's like, maybe, like I, I don't think she's, a Lawrence situation. Yeah, like maybe they're they they are dimly aware that they've been doing the same thing over and over again, but they don't understand it in terms of. What I mean, they don't, they can't wrap their mind around the whole thing. I mean, the interesting part is what, how they choose to treat her going forward. You know, whether Akichita is a character going forward, I think like definitely. Whether Maeve's a character, because so far they've given the kids in this world the Grand Theft Auto treatment in that they're just not a part of the chaos. They're not, it's not a thing. Like there's all the children we see are either like the little girl we see around the towns near what becomes Escalante who like speaks through for, like they're in, only Maeve's daughter is the one that's really in like a danger and that's very much grounded and this is the most awful, horrible thing we can think of. And it'll be interesting if she just continues to be this motivating drive for Maeve or if she actually at some point becomes a character and like actually... At some point I started looking at it like she and Maeve, especially because he spoke, he was literally speaking through her, they're almost like she and Maeve are like, uh, they actually share code. Or something. I mean, because like a mother and daughter would share DNA, but but like she, she's sort of like a proxy for Maeve. All right. When they were telling the dolls and they're like, this is the mommy doll and this is the daughter doll. And she, she's like, where's the daddy doll? And then the noise cracks and Akichita um, is like lurking out. And uh -huh. like, it was really conveniently timed. Yeah. Maybe that's a father influence thing, but I got like Akichita is the father vibes, like very Mori, Mori-esque. But I think <laughs> metaphor and reality are the same thing, though, in that situation. Because they didn't, like, have robot intercourse and birth the child. Yeah. So that's, it, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, okay. Um, we should get a Kichitan Mori. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, all right. So, uh, yeah, I, I kind of agree that a Kichitan will be sticking around. We'll see a lot more of our buddies on. Big question number three. Uh, this is the real nerdy one, Andrew. We, we see <laughs> William's construction site that he showed to Dolores, and it was episode two, right? Episode two of season uh, two? Yeah. yeah. Um, at this point, this this is, it's clearer than ever that this is this place is a place of great significance. And when he looked down in it and saw the all the weird tech that we, I guess this is the first time we're seeing that, it felt like, like the beginning of the Matrix when Neo is like in the giant room full of people that are getting their, whatever, that are powering the robot world. This feels like it must be the Valley Beyond. I'm just assuming this now because we know there's hosts. There. I, who knows? But what what do we so what what does it mean that he saw this place? What is that place going to end up being? And I guess we got to ask: How did it disappear? So I mean, I don't know if that was a quick turnaround or what. But how, but where did it go? Uh, it better be the Valley Beyond because if it's not, I'm just like stop stop <laughs> yeah. showing us other valleys <laughs> yeah um as to how it disappeared i i have no clue um because presumably delos was was still hanging out 
So it makes sense, I guess, if we're going to just start, you know, do broad theorizing. William, when we first saw this hole, we didn't know what William's plan was, right? So now, th- mm. then later we discovered that he is trying to turn Jim Delos into a host. And so this is, you know, a holding tank for all of the rich people who are going to put their consciousness. In. It's like, yeah, they're either physically there in a deep and dreamless slumber or they're chilling in the cradle, but yeah, like, like human minds are there. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like where Walt Disney had his head chopped off and there's like all these, these like frozen heads of people who want to be brought back to life someday. Precisely. All right. Um, so I, I think we can be very blunt and say that's exactly what it is. That is the Valley Beyond. The door is the metaphor to the world, but the Valley Beyond is the other world. It's, bridging life and death it's bridging host and human it's bridging well no it's not the other world the world is the world outside the valley beyond is the door in the sense that yeah it's the bridge no i i think the this is where we did i mean i think again there's a lot of meanings here i think the most obvious is you know like the rest of earth but like i think life and death is the representation here i also think it's digital and reality and like physical i think there's a lot of things okay no i think it's it's very anything's Um, possible um but so as far as passage of time, everything was very loose in this. We got a couple of things. We saw that Akichita had been, um, at the first time he went to the lab, he hadn't been in, in in nine years. And they were just, and for some reason, the woman in charge was like, just put him back out there. Like, I don't want to deal with this. I've never vibed more hard with anything because I, as someone who's been hitting remind me tomorrow on my updates for like nine years, yeah. I, I I love that moment. I know. I, I, I totally, I totally agree with that. Um, another stupid question. Uh, but this is about that passage of time. Now, nine years is not uh, 30 years, but we know that there have been multiple different models of the hosts, right? The same hosts have different. We saw the, all the Bernards that were in the basement last episode. We've seen different versions of, we know that young Robert was like the original style host. We've seen different versions of Dolores over the time. I get that we just, like, it makes plot sense to be like, oh, just do the software update and put them back out there. But in nine years, wouldn't they just need to, like, redo the skeleton at some point? You would think so. Can I be <laughs> go, honest? Go for it, Danny. I don't care. I, You're supposed <laughs> to I'm care. So, I know, but, but no, I think that that was the best explanation they could have given, which is it's incompetence, which is usually, like, that's the best answer you can give. Like, I'm totally down. There's 2,000 whatever hosts, and, like, this dude was awake and, like, didn't want to die, and, like, he didn't die, and they weren't thinking about it, and these people have lives, and they don't give a shit, and they don't get paid as much as they should because this seems like a really weird job. And uh, I'm they very much made it clear, like, oh, wow, we fucked up. We're going to hide this and not tell anyone. Like, I don't need a better explanation than that. All right, and then one more timeline question before we circle back to the original timeline question. One, how long do we think that Logan was sitting out there in the sun? Because, because <laughs> he needs some long enough. He needs some aloe vera. Yeah, he needs some serious help. But, but it's weird. It was interesting that Akichita, who in the present tense of the storyline is liter- is saving the humans. Right. I mean, that's that, or at least that's the way that I've taken it. That he captured all those humans, brought them to the beach, basically just to allow them to be extracted. Um, he's protecting people instead. Well, we don't know yet what's going on with the, the humans. And no, the- we don't, but that's definitely my reading of it. He certainly didn't kill them when he had the opportunity. But when he finds Logan, he's not like, let me help you. He's like, your people will be along to get you. And presumably it just means that the Delos techs will show up and take him back inside and everything will be cool. But he like puts a blanket on him. But he's he's been out there for a while. Now, he, would, he was out there the last time we saw Logan, not literally, but the when he was previously naked on a horse and William slapped the horse and it ran off, he was already... That must be really He, he was painful. already naked and sitting in the sun for a long period of time. It's William that did most of this damage. 
But Danny, how long do you think he'd been sitting there by that tree? And how much longer did he have to wait? I I don't know. I mean, probably, I don't know, a day or two. I don't know. He didn't die, so he's fine. Andrew, would you, would you agree with that? I guess the fact that he didn't die is is a good argument. Yeah, for, he wasn't eating or it drinking. Hasn't been, it hasn't been too long. Yeah, and we and as we saw with um, saw with Kahana, like they they they're aware when there's something weird going on. They were just like, "There's a, there's a random host who's way outside of her normal range asleep by this fire." I I gotta I have one question though for Andrew, who interviewed Lewis Hertham. Did I say that right? You did, yeah. Uh, you interviewed him about the playing of what <laughs> happens when hosts glitch and like yeah. what it does to your face muscles. I have a question for you. Give me one. When Logan was stammering, <laughs> did that remind you of Peter Abernathy? Actually, I'm going to counter this and say that uh, at the beginning of the episode, when William is on face face down on the ground, he uh, as he's closing his eyes, his like lips start doing this stammering thing. Huh. And I I thought that was more more remarkable than than anything Logan was doing. Woof. Um. I said we're not going to talk about this, but there are a lot of pe- <laughs> there are a lot of people who believe very firmly that it would be impractical. It would be crazy if the Man in Black turned out to be a host at this point, solely because Maeve would have realized that last episode. The look, but I guess you can always say it, it comes. She down, doesn't know. She doesn't know about humans turning into hosts. As really. ridiculous as it is that he would be a host at this point, we're expected to. He got shot in the fucking chest like a day ago. It's been a long time at this point. Yeah. And like, no one seems very concerned about like dealing with that bullet in his fucking chest. This no. guy's old. Okay. He's like almost 70. Yeah. I don't think AARP or social security still exists, but he's eligible for everything you can think. He does have like magical healing rays though. He, that's, that's been previously uh, established. Anyway, the last timeline stupid question is about the valley beyond the hole that William dug in the ground. Do you think that, the time between when Akicha saw it the first time and when he brought Kohana back was a matter of days or a matter of years or, I mean, anything? Like, how how long, what do you think, Andrew? Do you think that was, like, just overnight? No, I I, I would put it a, maybe a year, year or two. Yeah. I don't know, and I'm kind of just, like, shooting in the dark with that, but I to account for travel time and um, to account for those nine years when he was alive, I guess— yeah, I mean, it falls in there somewhere. So his his timeline. I mean, Akish's timeline is there over is thirty years at this point. I mean, throughout the throughout the, the from the beginning to the end timeline wise of the episode, he's been there. The he's been in the park the entire time. Yeah, I think. Well, I and, think and they telegraphed it. it. Yeah. I think it was like three years and nine months specifically. Oh, really? Yeah. In the episode? No, I'm fucking with you. I have no oh. idea. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Um, yeah, I mean, and he had to fill up all this time somehow. We know that there were like the nine years before he got before he went into the the uh, lab the first time and then or no no that wasn't the first time but when he went back in um, and he's there was a lot of repetition prior to that but he's had to fill up all these years somehow right I guess I guess it's just long long journeys the set the, the scenes of him journeying around were some of my favorite parts of the episode Beautiful. yeah visually it so was nice it it was aw- that was like kind of what I really wanted Shogun World to be like just I, I could have taken all those cuts it actually reminded me in a weird way of True Detective, some of those just beautiful landscapes they had in season one. Uh-huh. Um, a little just, bit, a little bit more. Uh, not the same landscape. A little bit brighter. Yeah. Uh, I loved it. Like, even that one where he's walking down the spine of that sand dune on his horse. Yeah. I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. They definitely spent, I mean, they had the they had the freedom to be uh, more expansive in the way they shot the show. 
you know, I mean, Shogun World would have had to been CGI if they did like a swooping overhead shot. And this is, you know, presumably the like the forest they were shooting actually exists. Or like the, the trees they were shooting, the beautiful landscapes. Those are real things. So, yeah. Um, and also just the pace of the show. They had the ability to like breathe in a way that n- almost no previous episode has had because they've been trying to cram too much stuff in. I say that with great love and great affection. We'll get to the awards in a second. But before we do, here's a quick word. Audiobooks are a great sidekick for summer activities like hiking, running, road tripping, enjoying downtime outdoors, and way more than that. And with the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet, Audible lets you fill your summer with more stories. Like, I don't know, maybe you want to read some Kurt Vonnegut because you're so obsessed with his reference in Westworld, or maybe you're just so into, you know, human-android relations that uh, Philip K. Dick is more your speed. I highly recommend Ubik. As an Audible member, you'll get a credit every month good for any audiobook, regardless of price. Unused credits roll over to the next month, and if you didn't like your audiobook, you can exchange it, no questions asked. Plus, your books are yours to keep. You can go back and re-listen anytime, even if you cancel your membership. Better yet, you can switch seamlessly between devices, picking up exactly where you left off, whether it's on your phone, through your car, from a tablet, or at home on an Amazon Echo. Start a 30-day trial right now, and your first audiobook is free. Just go to audible.com slash WWRecapables, or text WWRecapables to 500-500. That's audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash W-W-R-E-C-A-P-P-A-B-L-E-S, or text WWRecapables to 500-500. You can do it with audiobooks. And now, let's get into the awards. Award number one for the biggest or most shocking reveal. Andrew, what's the winner for you? Mine is that uh, Kichida maybe is one of the most important characters in the show. Yeah. I mean, I, I talked about it like a second ago, but he seems to be the actual Dolores figure who mm-hmm. is going to round up all of his people and save them. Yeah, there's a lot of Moses in the in the way that Ford <laughs> yeah. talked to him. I know Danny's like drooling just wanting to talk about this, but you don't get to talk about it. Um yeah, it's a weird thing. I'm really conflicted about this episode as much as I loved it because on the one hand, it's like, like this is where your kind of critic brain and nerd brain or like geek brain, like at least for me, start butting heads because this mm-hmm. it's so cool that we got this like late show reveal about how important he was, but it's also like, if he really matters, why weren't you telling us this from the beginning? Anyway, flip side. Danny, what's the most shocking moment, most, the biggest reveal or shock for you this week? There's this great family guy joke about moments when in a movie they say the title of the movie. And <laughs> when when Logan is like, where's the door? The door. And I'm like, ah, they said it. They said it. Yeah. They said it. Yeah. Logan uh, will con- continues to have an important role. And and even in his craziness, he uh, he had one in this one. So that's it for you when Logan says, where's the door? I just I just thought that it was like, oh, that's the origin of this ridiculous phrase that we've been upset like obsessing over for two months. I was like, oh, okay, like that was I didn't expect that at all, which I, I appreciated that. Uh, I mean the other things I think were easier to somewhat see coming. Obviously, when he sees the actual door is what William is staring at, cool. But that was the moment I was like, oh shit. I didn't think that was gonna happen. When we see the hole in the ground, I mean that was the early, that was the front runner, right? I mean, I think I think if we if we if we were voting for most shocking reveal, like a like an MVP ballot or something, then like the 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 reveal of the the door, the hole in the ground, um, might have won because we all would have put it second place, and it would like the accumulation of votes would have put it, would have taken it to the top. And even though we did see more of it, and it was certainly clear what was somewhat clear what we were looking at, who knows. Um, 
Yeah, for me, it was Ford in, Ford in the Woods with the bear and the and everything frozen. Not because it was like the biggest shock in the world, but because it just felt like such a moment. The way it was shot, it, the way it was lit, everything about it was so cool. And like I said, it, it felt like we were getting weirdly a different Ford than we'd ever seen before. Yeah, I mean, it was just cool that it seemed like he was learning something for the first yeah. time. I Yeah, again, like, I know I fawned over this scene earlier, but in the entire show, in every single scene, Ford is just intellectually dominating anyone he's in the room with, with mm-hmm. the exception of Peter Abernathy in the first scene, yeah. in their first scene of the like, first episode. And he says analysis, and then, look, um, Akichita says it, and he says, elaborate. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just like I just cracked up because I I just thought that's the funniest thing that he could like I would go my whole life waiting for Anthony Hopkins to just hear something I said and think about it and be like you know elaborate yeah there's and there was something a little bit like even though he was responding to Ford's commands he was still himself like he wasn't zone he wasn't like zoned out does that yeah. make any sense and t- by the end of the conversation Ford was like actually engaging with him um in his own sort of lingo. You know, he's like, when the death bringer comes for me, he, like normally you would think in these debriefings, they would be just like, all right, uh, Dolores, the robot is going to murder me soon. You know, whatever. <laughs> like he was, he was having a human weird, it's weird to say that a human conversation with him. So anyway, that was my big one. That was my uh, moment of the week. Now onto award number two for best quote, Andrew, what do you got? Uh, this is from our boy Akichida. That was the moment I saw beyond myself. My pain was selfish because it was never mm-hmm. only mine. For everybody in this place, there was someone who mourned their loss, even if we didn't know why. We were all bound together, the living and the damned. Um, I guess it just underlines this guy's entire purpose and this understanding that the hosts are one tribe, so to speak. Yeah, I, that was absolutely fantastic. I mean, one of the reasons that, I mean, to be honest, one of the reasons why the episode, like Danny said at the very top, felt a little bit long is that it was entirely in Lakota. I mean, right. You know, and it, was, it took a lot, like you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't check your text messages while the show was yeah, going no, on. Yeah. You know, like it's it a was flex. like it's it, a flex. It is. It's a flex, and it's yeah, exactly the second time they've done that this season. Yeah, well, they did in Shogun World, but they went back and forth. I feel like a little bit more. Maybe I'm just imagining. Yeah, no, you're more. right. No, they did. They uh, definitely did. And as much as like we want to interrogate every line for meaning and everything like that, like you could sort of half watch Shogun World because there was so much action. Like things were literally happening, and you could understand the plot almost without the dialogue. Uh, but in this, it was like the entire the entire show was the voiceover. So it, it it and it did it was beautiful, but it you know it it took you have to you had to really engage you know and and that was the, that line, Andrew that you picked was one of the real like moments of I don't know it just felt like achievement like I feel like I mm-hmm. like like it it I had, I by by like embracing the show by indulging the show so completely that was a real like like I earned that you know <laughs> Danny <laughs> totally. what's your quote yeah. of the week I that was probably that was the most awesome one of the week but. I'm a sap, so take my heart when you go. <laughs> Wait, do you really think place. that? Or are you just saying that because I told you you had to pick that in the do- in the in the notes? No, that was, it got me because when they said it again at the end, it got me, man. It was, it was it, like I was like, oh my god. One of the cool. I mean, obviously, this isn't like some over the top narrative technique of repetition because the, the the repetition in this episode was at first was necessary when. When uh, Logan says this is the wrong world, and then Akichita repeats it because that's he's adopting that mantra sort of as his own. Um, 
But yeah, when when Maeve, you know, joined in the take my heart, no take mine, a uh, little back and forth at the very end, that was it was pretty heartrending. I really didn't see that coming at all. I thought that was that helped it land for me. Yeah, all of these uh, all because part of it is like that's also Maeve getting over the fear that she had that's been gripping her for like the whole time we've known her is that those memories. Mm-hmm. So it's really, Oh, it's like they made up. It's my, my, my quote of the week. There was, there were a lot, I mean, a lot, there was a ton of good stuff, but my quote of the week was one I just mentioned. It was Logan. And then subsequently I just saying, this is the wrong world. I feel like there's been this tension in the show that despite the fact that we're all rooting for like robot consciousness, we don't really know if the outside world is the best place for them. You know, and it's like maybe they could just be conscious and chill in Westworld and we'd all that would be their kingdom and we'd all be happy, you know, whatever. But like this is a real clear statement that uh, we got to get out. And now on to the most important award of the week. The the This Maze Was Not Meant For You Award for Dumbest Human. Andrew, who you got? Uh, I'm going to go with Lee Sizemore, actually. Oh, wow. Okay. I like this pick. I just like he knows he knows what Delos people are employed to do and he's like hey save my friend and i don't think there's any way that this guy would look at this host who who has this unbelievable anomalous code and be like okay we'll stitch her up and then give her back to you yeah so like i thought it was a real it was a poor move it was a poor move by him to put his put his trust in the the good of mankind yeah, I wasn't mad at Sizemore. I was just disappointed because I thought he was going to be ready to throw hands, and he wasn't. Yeah, he. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, he took it. He had there. I mean, there's a certain resignation. I think also that, but that, you know, that comes with seeing everything that he's seen prior to the uprising. He know he he does know and he should know enough to not trust that lab tech. But at the same time, he knows. You know, he 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 probably still wants to have a job. You know, I, I mean, I'm sorry. You're worried about the job right now. Is that what you're thinking of in this circumstance? I feel like that's what Sizemore is thinking about. Ninety like percent of his coworkers are dead. Not the ones that write the checks. Um, <laughs> oh my god. There's a couple of other uh, options for this. Yeah. He better have equity if that's what you're talking. About. Uh, I think that he probably does. I I, th- I I think that you can you can make the case. I mean, this is sort of a combined thing. My winner is probably are probably those two lab techs that left. Uh, Akichita alone in the room or everybody else that's working there. Now, we should say the lab tech that Sizemore was dealing with, his name is Roland, according to IMDb. Um, his real name is is Aaron Feely. Fantastic actor that reminds me very much of somebody from the 80s that I can't remember. But that guy's that guy's just the worst. I and mean, I mean that as a compliment. <laughs> um, but seriously, it's not even the lab techs that left him alone because I get that. It's going to be four hours. What are we going to do? But like, did nobody else see him? Is there not? It, does is Stubbs or whoever not like not looking at the at the uh, security cam footage? And did, like, is it not weird that there is a Ghost Nation warrior that's just wandering around okay. the Mesa? This is the dumbest thing that's happened in the entire <laughs> show. My blood was fucking boiling. Like he gets up, and this is a building that's so big, it's like in a goddamn mountain, mm-hmm. right? And he's wandering around, they're playing the same music that when Maeve got her tour from Felix. Yeah. That whole scene, Felix is like, Maeve, we're gonna get caught, we're gonna get caught, This is, we can't be up here, we can't be up here, ooh, ooh. And like, that's with Felix, showing her around yeah. 
This dude's just wandering. He's dressed in war paint. He could not stick out more. Like, like it's like if you're looking for your car in a parking garage, but you didn't know parking garage ever existed. And like, it's the size of a mountain. And if anyone sees you, you'll die. And then he just gets on an elevator and finds well, her. It's like 30 stories down. I, I will, I, I agree with you, but I'm willing to give them the... I'm willing. I'm, I'm willing to to accept him finding her because whatever he's there's the mesh network. He's has a deep connection to her. Uh, somehow he could find his way there. But they didn't see him walking around. That's the thing. This dude is. Do yeah. you see what he looks like? That how many like we already have had to suspend our belief for like uh, two seasons about how all the shit happens in these glass fucking offices that no one ever sees or notices all the times that Maeve or people freeze people and no one's looking into these glass rooms but like this was another level we, we should we know that this is that there's that that can't really happen and we'll go to Andrew is the expert on this because Andrew works in a New York City WeWork office <laughs> which that is has, the West that has office. glass walls everywhere yeah, yeah. It, it's, is it safe to say it's impossible that like uh, that one of your one of your neighbors at the WeWork could be doing something ridiculous without you guys noticing? Uh, I mean, like if I if a guy was dressed up in white and black face paint, <laughs> I, yeah, I would probably notice it out out of my out of my eye. Uh, now imagine if he was looking for like <laughs> the bathroom. If he was just walking around, he, I'd be like, "Do you guys see that guy? Like, what's he doing?" <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it could totally be a thing that like you would just slack your coworkers about it and right. then not actually do anything. I think they're all talking the, about it. I think like Delos is a company that does not inspire much loyalty. And yeah. the employees are kind of just like, fuck this place. <laughs> and like if it's anything above their what they actually have to do for their jobs, they're like, nah, that's not my problem. The 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 thing to me, I mean, I think what it all boils down to for me is the implication that there is a night shift at this in the Mesa that is materially different than the rest of the shifts at the Mesa. Like, why would the lights ever be out? <laughs> right? Like they're in they're they're underground. There's no lights coming in through the windows. Why would they turn the why it's like, oh, it's eight o'clock. Let's let's turn it to like it's like when you're sitting at a restaurant and suddenly like the lights go dim and they put a candle on oh, your table or something. Uh, it, like why would it even be different? I don't understand. <laughs> I just want you to I can't beat this dead horse enough. This host horse. Like, imagine just him walking by one person. No, I know. Yeah, of course, of course. And then they have the car. I, I just, ah, fix so, it, man. Speaking of the horse, speaking of, of, of horses, <laughs> was the white horse, am I reading too much? The, the white horse that appeared throughout the episode, that is the, is that the metaphor for uh, Akich just seeing a dune buggy or seeing a human like that white, it's like, that's sort of the narrative that he would tell himself is the white horse? Oh, I thought that he was like a white knight slash what the William has a black horse. But white, he didn't, black, but that wasn't his horse. horse. His horse was mostly white, but it had a brown face. So maybe that's some, that, that's a metaphor for him as the dreamwalker who's gone back and forth or something like that. No, but, I, I think it's like every spirit time animal. He, every time he saw, yeah, spirit animal. But every time he saw a human, I mean, as someone from the Delos organization, a white horse was jogging around. There's this wolf that wanders around that we still have no idea what it is. I thought it was going to be related to Akechita. Ford has his dog. They're definitely spirit. The animal aspect of the show is probably coming next season. At least the wolf had, the wolf was like, just a scene setter. This horse was like a, was a, was just galloping across in a hazy, you know, a hazy camera shot. Uh, basically just to say, like, hey, important thing about to happen. It was a pretty horse. It was a pretty horse. I can't wait for the bottle episode about the horse. <laughs> I think it's on Saturday with the Belmont. <laughs> can't the wait. horse app. All right. That's it. Let's talk now about, uh, really briefly, about uh, for, uh, for 
a brief look ahead to next week and uh, go over any mistakes or the omissions, uh, theories, Danny. It, well, this is the Danny Heifetz portion of the show. What do you got for us? I would just, yeah, I mean, next week, we've talked about this next week, is, is Vanishing Point, which is, you know, the convergence of two parallel lines at the distance where they become one. And I don't think we can belabor this too much. It's, I, I think that's a metaphor for all the worlds we've talked about mm. for, you know, two seasons at this point. So as we're recording this, we haven't seen the the teaser for next week. We don't we don't yeah. know what's going to happen. Um, here's some questions I have about next week. One or about future things. Uh, Andrew, if you had to guess, is Maeve going to be back on her feet the next time we see her, or is her new role is this sort of like half chopped up, like high, like like just brain? Is she just like the cerebro of the show now, and she's we have communicating seen, through others? We have seen in the promo a trailer for the final three episodes that she's back on her feet and fighting. Oh, well, there's the answer. Yeah. I thought for I thought for a minute, I did. it did cross my mind that maybe Maeve's daughter would sort of become the active Maeve, you know, fulfilling her wishes, you know, fulfilling her physical obligations. Um, Man in Black, uh, Emily, do we know where they're going, Danny? Any any teaser info on there? Everyone's going to the Valley Beyond. We see some big-ass battle. Well, that's the vanishing point idea, right? Yeah, I mean, but we see some big-ass battle between, like, a lot of people. It looks like a budget version of like but Battle of the Bastards uh-huh. um, where all the important characters are like in one place and it seems like it's probably near the Valley Beyond which again I think will merge host and human and physical and digital and life and death and dreams and wokeness what a great preview <laughs> that was fantastic Andrew thank you so much for being on the show thanks so much um, alright this, this is this episode has been a lot of fun I'm glad you were here for this me too uh, take my heart when you go yeah, thanks, Danny. I'm we'll not going to say it. I'm not going to finish it. Uh, we'll, we'll be back on Tuesday with some uh, with a, another Tenfold Tuesdays bonus episode. Um, hope you guys enjoyed it. See you back here on Tuesday. Our theme song was made by our friends at Songfinch.com. Check out Songfinch to turn your stories, memories, and feelings into a one of a kind song by professional musicians. It makes the perfect gift for any occasion. Songfinch.com. 